Welcome back into another edition of the Arrowhead Pride interview series. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, and I'm happy to be joined by an old friend. You know him well, former Chiefs wide receiver and the Chiefs radio network color analyst, Danan Hughes. Danan, it's a playoff weekend. How are you feeling, man? I'm all right. I'm not in playoff mode yet, but I'll get okay. there. You know, I, I get a little fiery during this time of the year, so... <laughs> uh, I'm trying to contain myself. I don't want to spend up all my energy too soon before game time, especially with a Sunday night game. Right. You know, I have to, I have to be cautious. So I'm a, I'm around Sean Barber quite a bit and, and he's just excited all the time. So I, I like that you're able and you're a little bit different to contain the energy and kind of direct it toward, towards Sunday night football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah barbershop's a unique individual. You know how yes. those linebackers are. They just, you know, they just see ball, hit ball. You have That's to be right. smarter. That's smarter right. guys are on the other side of the ball. So I'll be sure not to tell him that you said wide receivers are smarter than linebackers. Okay. Oh, I tell him all the time. So you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> okay, well, good. At least somebody is. All right, let's get into this game. When I say to you, the Chiefs were hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers in the wild card round, what is the most important aspect of this game to you? I think the, there are a couple of things that come to mind, Pete. One is getting out ahead early. Mm -hmm. Um, this Pittsburgh Steelers team, I don't trust big Ben late in games with it being close, being an opponent of big Ben. He could not be the player that he has been. He could be, it doesn't have the arm like he used to, but the competitive spirit is still there. And so if this game is close in the fourth quarter, that's when my concern will rise. The other, uh, Equally, uh, level of concern is blocking T.J. Watt. Um, We didn't get a chance to see him at full speed just three weeks ago. Uh, This team, when when T.J. Watt plays more than 60% of the plays, the team is 9-2. and Mm. So it's drastically different this season when he's at full speed versus when he's not. So – Contrary to what people are saying, it's a retirement party and you see all the memes and everything out there. We got to be careful because the Steelers team can be dangerous. Yeah, no, I I think TJ Watt is probably the number one player to watch. Let me say something here and and you could tell me if you agree with me or not. I think the only feasible scenario where the Steelers make this interesting is if TJ Watt is this game wrecker type of player. And then all of a sudden it's a low scoring game. I feel though, if, as the chiefs are able to put up 21 points, they have a 21 point half, they get into the 30 range. Even if Watt is good in this game, which we expect them to do now that he's healthy, I feel like the Steelers are not getting the 30 points. Do you agree or disagree? And why? Um, I would agree that, they likely would not get to 30 points, but I would also uh, have some concern as to whether that's the kind of game that is going to unfold for us. If we get to 30 points, I agree, we'll win this game. But I kind of feel like that's going to be tough sledding for this team based on their defense, based on the attack that they have with TJ Watt. um, They're going to be a formidable opponent. And, our Chiefs offense has to be ready to step up to the challenge. You can't think that just because we blew them out less than a month ago that there's going to be some repeating acts of sort. 
Uh, Mike Tomlin, I'm sure, has sent multiple videos and multiple angles to the NFL office about some of the penalties that were called, right. some of the missed calls in that game. So you can probably expect a little bit tighter game called from the officials, which works in their favor. Um, also, you got to be concerned about their big wide receivers. Ben's not going to throw the ball 50 yards down the field, but what is he going to do? Bubble screens, tunnel screens. Um, they're going to play the ball close to the line of scrimmage and try to see if their bigger receivers and running backs can catch the ball and get positive yardage after catch and contact to extend right. the drives. So that plays into your mindset in regards to it not being a high scoring game. I don't I can't imagine that the Steelers would come in here and put up 30 plus points, but that could be a benefit for them as well. I want to ask you about the the Chiefs defense because you, I mean you were you were there for this whole ride. It was it was pitiful at the beginning and then it really reversed when the unit got healthy for that eight game winning streak and looked like one of the better defenses in the NFL. I feel like over the past 2 weeks there's been a little bit of slip there to be fair. And I think a lot has to do with explosive plays. What, what are your eyes telling you about the, the slip up of the defense a little bit lately? So Pete, I'm always on the school of thought and I think you can go back and film and you can watch this chief's team and probably most other teams that play in weather that is somewhat warm in September and October to mm -hmm. gets drastically cold in December. And you've heard me say it. There are business decisions that are made late <laughs> in the season. And mm -hmm. it usually comes down to the physicality of the game. How you how your technique is tackling, it goes away. You see guys that form tackle and scoop and, and put down into the ground. They go and they revert to cut block tackling. And they don't want to wrap their arms because it's cold. Uh, right. They wear sleeves versus when they wore short sleeves. Um the physicality of the game changes late in the season. Now, how that plays in regards to the, the big plays and the chunk plays recently is that I've seen our corners not be as physical downfield, squeezing receivers to the sideline, making the throws uh, be more difficult for quarterbacks to, to complete down the sideline, and then us playing closer to the line of scrimmage as a defense. We've been very aggressive, and I like the fact that we have an identity of being aggressive. And we're if we're going to make a mistake, we're going to make a mistake with our foot on the gas pedal versus riding the brake. I like that. But there are times where that can hurt us, and it did against Cincinnati. There were a couple of plays missed against uh, the Broncos that could have really changed the, the trajectory of that game, and we have to get back to that balance. But I – but you talk about that eight-game win streak and where our defense went, I'm going to put some of the onus on Melvin Ingram. Like, to me, and you've seen on me on Twitter, I've right. mentioned it. To me, he's the defensive MVP of this team. Yeah. And um, this defense had drastically changed since he came aboard. Well, Dan, and your former Iowa player, you played for the Chiefs 93 to 98. You only played for the Chiefs, but just from talking with other players and those experiences in the NFL – what do you think is going to be going through Melvin Ingram's mind considering he gets a, a chance to play the team he spent the beginning of the season with, not only what he did in week 16 in the regular season, but with a chance to knock them out of the postseason? What kind of emotions do you think will go into that? So it's interesting because when you talk to Melvin Ingram or you hear him talk, he acts like everything is just 
easy going. <laughs> he just he's a yeah. football player. It doesn't matter who he's playing against. But I know that <laughs> I I got a chance to play for the Saints for the preseason. Okay. My last year, and we scrimmaged against the Chiefs in River Falls, and that was like a Super Bowl to me. And it was only a scrimmage. Right. So I can imagine a playoff game playing against the former team that didn't have as much um, value, didn't have as much um, confidence that you could help them, that they actually traded you and traded you to a team that they could face in the playoffs and had and would have been facing already on the schedule the day after Christmas. Right. So all of those things – get wound up into you. And I don't care how even keeled you are when you're sitting in your locker and there's 10 minutes to kick off and all the game plan has been laid out and you're just in your quiet place, getting in your zone, ready for this game. You can't help, but for those thoughts to come through your head, you're human and you feel like somebody slighted you. And I can imagine that Melvin Ingram is going to go out there and show them what they missed about, having him on their roster. Yeah, I'm eager to see what kind of game he has. I know that he probably wished he had a, a greater impact in week 16, and now he gets a golden opportunity to mm -hmm. really impact how the Steelers' season ends up. Dan, I want to ask you two more questions, and I start here with the injury situation. Tyree Kill started the week as a full participant, downgraded to limited. Daryl has been limited all week. Clyde tried to give it a go and then did not go Thursday Let's talk about a worst-case scenario here. You don't have Tyreek, you don't have Daryl, and you don't have Clyde Edwards-Elair. What's your first reaction to that? Can the Chiefs sustain and, and manage to win this game without them? I think if you'd asked me that question about 10 weeks ago, I'd probably have a different answer than I do now. And part of the reason is because when we go back to that day after Christmas game when there wasn't really a, a Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey was out, Patrick Mahomes figured out a way. With, mm -hmm. with supporting cast members stepping up. We've seen Derek Gore show that he can be a viable guy in the backfield. Jarek McKinnon came through in a clutch this last week against the Denver Broncos. I think we have found a number two receiver in Byron Pringle. And McCall Hardman can still be a viable threat. With all of those things coming into play, I'm concerned because we're playing the Steelers and they have an identity and they're, you know, a highly vaulted organization and has been down this block before. They're not going to get flustered coming into Arrowhead. They've been down this road before. But I have more confidence than concern in our Chiefs team for the next man up to really come up and, and get the job done. So, uh, yeah, it would be tough <laughs> to, to not yeah. have everybody, but – I feel confident that the next man up, we've shown that all season long, that next man up can do the job. Yeah, I I would tend to agree. And just for our listeners that are that are listening to this on Thursday or Friday, they're not ruled out. I'm just kind of talking worst case scenario. We'll see. We'll have the official status at arrowheadpride.com as this thing comes out on Friday. Last question here, Danon. I know that if you think the Chiefs are winning without those guys, that with a couple of them back or maybe all of them back, you definitely think they're going to win. We know that. Melvin Ingram is your defensive MVP pick for this game. Other than Patrick Mahomes, who is your offensive MVP in this game that, that the Chiefs, I, I would assume you believe, uh, will be victorious in? Uh, I kind of feel like Travis Kelsey will be the guy in this game. Hmm. Uh, I think working the middle of the field, even though Minka Fitzpatrick is 
one of the top, if not the top safeties in the game. He's got enough size to be able to play with Travis Kelsey. But I feel like Travis, this is his stage. He's been built for this. And I feel like outside of Patrick Mahomes, just like we saw against the Chargers several weeks ago, when the ball leaves Patrick's hands, it's got to go to a playmaker that's going to not just make a catch, but make a play. And I think Travis Kelsey is going to be that guy in this game that you're going to see a lot of big plays. They're going to be yards after catch, yards after contact. And I kind of envision him being over 100 bills in this game, probably on six or seven catches. You know he's going to be hungry. He didn't get to play in that last game against the Steelers while he was on the COVID list. That's the the voice, the sweet baritone voice of my old partner, (laughs) uh, Dane and Hughes. You can catch him on the broadcast, Chiefs Radio Network, 106.5, The Wolf in Kansas City, and all over where the Chiefs Radio Network is broadcasted. Dane, thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride interview series. No problem, brother. Thanks for having me.